Welcome to the Truth About Dentistry podcast. I am Dr. Peggy Bound, a successful solo dental practice owner in St. John, New Brunswick. After years of figuring out how I wanted to practice, I now run a fully digital clinic providing my own brand of dentistry on my own terms. It wasn't easy and I'm still learning, but I know I have so much knowledge to share. This podcast is created to help inspire young dentists or anyone looking to transition to a more digital practice. I aim to give you actionable step-by-step strategies to help you navigate the modern dentistry landscape. If you're looking to become more digital, improve your skills, or even have a more profitable practice, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get started. Welcome back. Today, I want to talk to you about pedo pediatric dentistry and I mean I would love to hear from you if you are doing pediatric dentistry if you're a GP how much pediatric dentistry are you doing how much are you willing to do did you do a lot before and then it became something that you you know kind of passed on to your associate Uh, this is typically what tends to happen with most GP practices as the older we get sometimes we kind of get a little bit more niche down and um, I still do my fair share of pediatric dentistry because I don't have a full-time associate yet but the point is is that it can be a big part of the practice and you can you know it can be very productive and very enjoyable and very rewarding it can also be very difficult <laughs> and when you're first graduated um, you know you're you're new to dentistry you learn some things the hard way and so today I wanted to talk about some of the things that I've learned over the past 20 years in pediatric dentistry and um, go through an example of how we perform, uh, you know, an appointment for a child that does need a restorative, um, you know, restorative for their, uh, you know, one quadrant, two quadrants. And and then just sort of, I'd love to hear your feedback if you want to share with me or reach out to me on Instagram. I'd love to, um, you know, just hear from you to see what's going on with you. But in general, I have been doing a lot of pediatric dentistry. I did, you know, tons, especially in my first probably 15, 16 years of practice because I was in a group practice And we always accepted new patients. We had, uh, you know, patient families that wanted to bring their patients. In fact, it was interesting. One of the things I always noticed was sometimes parents would call up and they say, you know, I want your, I want a book appointment or new patient appointment for my children. And the the thought process, I guess, was that they wanted to see if their child, if their children liked it there or if they were happy there or if they thought it was a good place so only then would they sign up and become patients so I always thought that was weird I'm like yeah let the kids be the test drivers to see if the place is good Um, but it is really common because a lot of times parents put their children first and they thought you know well I better make sure the children have their their cleanings and their checkups and I'll I'll come last so um, you know you can I think it's important to get to know adults the adults first and find out you know kind of a little bit about their background before we start treating uh, the children uh, but I do welcome you know full patient families into our clinic we have had a more limited practice in the last few years because of the demand in our area here in St. John uh, New Brunswick but it's it's really been something that you can't really get away from unless you just strictly are able to pass all pediatric patients to the specialist in your area or to, you know, your associate. So I do feel that I have some 
things I can share with you if you want to learn how to be a little bit more uh, effective or efficient or maybe there's just one little pearl in here that I'm going to be able to share with you that you'll learn and uh, again I would just love to hear from you so definitely reach out to me DM me at Dr. Peggy Bow. So it starts with when the child is diagnosed with the decay uh, in the dental hygiene appointment, usually when they have their checkup. That's often when we detect things. And we're detecting uh, interproximal caries now in children, both in with radiographs, but now with the NERI, we have the 5Ds and we have two 5Ds and a 5D plus. And that has just been a game changer because little mouths cannot handle sensors. And it's just very helpful when we can detect interproximal decay above the gum line um, with the NERI and also it helps explain it to the parent. They're very engaged and it's very helpful. So if you haven't seen that or you don't know what that is then you know you do uh, look look into that because it's it's quite a helpful way to you know communicate with our with parents and so that brings me on to talking about how I communicate with the parent once the decaries is diagnosed how I'm now going to um, you know set set us all up for success is the way I look at it we want to talk to the parent about you know okay maybe this is the first time the child's had cavity and parent might be a little bit embarrassed or whatnot but often what's happened in the past with my previous patients when I didn't communicate this is that the parents would go home and uncle whoever or maybe an older brother or sister whatever would find out that the child had a cavity and they would be like oh well you know this is what's going to happen to you and do you know this and so I always say to the parents I'm like listen this is a great secret to keep. Like, I mean, I don't like believe in like keeping secrets per se, but I think we can keep this to ourselves because if you, t- if other family members, no matter how good their intentions are, find out that your child, you know, let's call her Sally, has decay, anybody from a teacher to an uncle to a family member, brother, sister, will start to give basically their own insights and opinions as to how that appointment, that filling appointment is going to go. And I don't really want that tainted. I don't even want you to read, (laughs) this sounds maybe harsh, but like I prefer you don't even read a book to your child about what to expect because what to expect is not in a book. I have never published what I do. Well, I'm telling you now in this podcast, but I generally don't publish and I do things, I think, very differently and very, very, it's very enjoyable. It's not a problem. I hardly have any issues with any pediatric patients and I don't use nitrous anymore. So, you know, there's nothing you can do to prepare your child. There's no need to prepare your child. It just incites fear, okay? So I have this very frank conversation. I tell, listen, it'll be our secret. You don't need to tell anybody. You're going to get a filling um, and it's going to be really fun. And do you want to come back and see me? And I make it very positive. It's not like a negative downer kind of appointment. So now I've kind of prepped the parent um, and the child to just like come in and have an open mind basically. So the day they come for the appointment, my assistant, now not everyone's as fortunate to have and you know you have to have a great assistant, an assistant who's good with kids, an assistant who likes people, can talk to kids and really understands the situation, the gravity of it. Like this can go either way. We need to be like high positive, high energy. Children are receptive to that generally. Uh, So when my assistant goes out to the waiting room, one of the things she actually says is she kind of gives the parent basically the option to not have to come in. Because a lot of parents feel like, oh, like it's my parental duty. I'm not a good mom or I'm not a good dad if I don't go in. So she says to the parent like, hey, listen, like what do you think? Do you think, you know, do you think little Bobby or little Steven is... Um, can do this on their own today? Do you think that, you know, do you think you can 
You think they'll be fine on their own? How do you think today's going to go? And it, it gives the parent an out because parents generally are not very helpful in these types of appointments if you've experienced them. And they're also like maybe relieved that you're suggesting that they don't need to come in. So it's, it's good that way because it does give them the option. But if they do want to come in or, you know, they can. But then the child also may feel like, wow, she thinks I can do it on my own. Like she thinks that I don't need my mom or my dad because this is not a big deal. When, when parents follow us, this might be serious, right? So we, we have to set the vibe and the tone for success right from the time we come to the, get them in the waiting room. Then when the child's in the operatory, we do what's called tell, show, do. I'm not sure if you do this, but there's nothing done to this child or except for the actual injection. Like even then I have a way of talking about that, but we, before I even come in the room, so I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a dentist looking at after all the other rooms, other patients, the little child is prepared when I come in the room. Now I might just review a couple things, get to talk fun with them, but the assistant is going to like sit them up. So they're not like, they're not going to be told to lay back right away. They get to sit up and they get to see all my cool tools. Like it could be the slow speed. We call that Mr. Bumpy. We actually show them like when Dr. Peggy's taking out the sugar germs and call them sugar germs, the little soft germs that are in, you know, on your tooth. You know, when you wash your hands, you know, you're, you're scrubbing your hands. Well, we kind of have to scrub your tooth a little bit. And we use this little thing called a Mr. Bumpy. And so I'm going to put it on your nail. So I actually get the slow speed round burr to go on the child's nail so that they get the sensation of what vibration feels like and what a rattling or rumbling on their tooth will feel like. It won't feel a little bit even more intense when it's in their mouth, but they, they get the sense to like, so when that happens in the mouth, we don't lose the child because like, oh yeah, remember we told you Mr. Bumpy's going to feel like it did on your nail. So by tell showing do, we show them what a band is. We tell them it's tooth hugger. We tell them the, you know, Mr. Slurpee, we get them to practice that. We, we do so many things to make the child prepared in my own way. I don't need the child prepared before they come in because my assistant is going to do all that. Now I walk in the room and it's like, oh, are we ready? Like, how are we doing today? Now, another thing, of course, if your clinic is fortunate enough to have overhead screens, we do let them pick their own show. And I mean, my kids, if you had told them they could pick out their own show anywhere else besides home, they would have loved it. I mean, kids today are more and more exposed to, you know, television or Netflix and things like that. But not all kids get to do that. And so it's that one time that's special and they get to pick out exactly what they want. So we're, um, you know, we set that up, that's all set up. But when I come in the room at first, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just talk to you. So I make sure that the child understands me. Now I have two rules and I say, okay, Susie, I have only two rules. Would you like, first of all, I asked them, this is funny. I asked them like, would you like me to go really fast or would you like me to go really slow? I feel like they start to feel like they're in control. So when you give them a choice, like an option, um, they're like, Oh, I want you to go really fast. I'm like, okay, then this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. If they say, no, no, I want you to go really slow. Okay. These are the rules when you want me to go really slow. Right? So the same rules apply by the way, but the, the rules are, I said, I only have two rules and this is going to go so quick and easy. You're going to wish you could stay longer. So the first is I say, okay, I, the first thing you have to do is your hands always have to stay on your belly button. Can you put your hands on your belly button right now and make them do that? Now you can also put them under your bum, but they have to be either under your bum or on your belly button. And they have to stay there because if they come up, they could, you could hurt me. Right? The other thing I say to them is you have to, um, stay really still. And so a wiggly person means I can't really do my job. So I won't be able to go fast or slow, uh, if you're wiggling around. Now, in order to keep them open, I personally, 
and it's mandatory, there's almost no children that can't handle this, is I use a bite block. So that's like, that's my hack there for sure. Like I never have a child ask to keep, ask a child to keep opening because that's, there's no need of that. Bite block's been around for decades. And so a bite block goes in and a bite block is also practiced and checked. Like we, we let them practice it in their mouth before I even come in the room. So we've got everything from, you know, the bite block, they felt the band, they know what the Mr. Bumpy is, all these things. And now I'm going to give them some anesthetic. Now, when I give children anesthetic, we all know that little faces and these young, young, um, you know, bones that they have are very easily infiltrated. Like I don't, I used to, and this is how I was trained to always give an inferior alveolar block. Again, we're talking about primary teeth. You have an inferior alveolar block. I held my breath. I was like scared to death. Now I ultimately did learn how to give an inferior alveolar block pretty well without a child even noticing I was doing it. But do I really want to do that? No, I want the child to definitely not feel a thing. Not, not, there's not one chance I'm going to lose this child because I'm getting through this procedure and we're getting through it fast. And on that note, the assistant must be completely prepared. There's no getting up once a child's in the chair. We are, we are ready. We have every single thing we could possibly need for that appointment. And I don't leave the child to go do a hygiene check. I don't, I completely finish. So they have my full attention, but it means we all have to be prepared. So now the child, um, we're giving the anesthetic. So we, we put in the, the topical and the way I say it, now this is one thing I've been accused of uh, by a child later on, which just kind of makes us all laugh. But I tell the child, I'm like, listen, I, and it's the only time I'm, you know, obviously not completely honest with the child. I'm like, listen, in order to make your tooth go to sleep, I have to put my nail and I have really long nails. So if you feel my nail pinching your cheek, you tell me, okay, it's okay. You can tell me, but I'm so sorry. Cause I forgot to cut my nails this morning and they're really long. So when they do feel, they'll feel like the slightest bit. And I have a certain way of giving anesthetic that's pretty painless and the topicals left in there and it's pretty good otherwise. But if they do feel it and they'll, they'll go, ah, oh, like this. And I'll say, oh, oh, sorry. That's my nail. I'll move my nail. So I let them know, like they feel like they're in control. They have a chance to like control the situation. And I haven't lost them. I'm like, keep your hands on your belly button. So my assistant, of course, at the same time is like distracting them, like look at your show or we'll like take Mr. Slurpee and do some suction. So we've, we got the anesthetic in there. I'm like, now, does it feel kind of funny? I'm like, yeah, that's the sleepy juice. That was from that Q-tip. Cause like I kind of make them think that it was from that. So we've got them frozen. We'll do a rubber dam, whatever. But the point is, is we move very quickly and I do use a bite block mandatory. I use a rubber dam, uh, in some cases, I say some cases, a lot of cases, but there's a lot of times when I am so fast and I have such good isolation because my assistant and I are using a bite block triangle and we have a child who's very still that I will feel that it's much safer to get through it with that way than it would be to put on, you know, give them an inferior alveolar block, get them, um, lose them there or lose them when the, when the, the clamp springs off or something like that. So, you know, again, I have options, but I'm just telling you, there's a way to do it. If you can get true isolation and you can be fast, then that's what you want to do. Now, one other trick that I do for pedo is I use what's called Sonic fill. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Um, it's like an ice cream soft serve machine for, for filling material. I don't need to get out, you know, the, you know, the, all the tools to carve it. It's just like, it goes in like soft serve. I just pack it and carve it very, very slightly, but it's done. She cures it and we're done. So we don't get into like all the little things because pedo teeth are very shallow. You can, you can move a lot faster and a lot less filling to do. 
So then the parent is like, you're done? I'm like, yeah, we're done. Like, we're done. And so we, we, we end up with a really positive experience. And um, the assistant is, again, always encouraging. It's really helpful to talk to your assistant ahead of time, have them train, like, this is our approach. This is how we're going to do it. And it can be very enjoyable. It can be very profitable, actually. I mean, I don't think about it that way. But it, if you're fast at pedo, you can, I've done, um, well, I've done two quadrants at a time in many children. So if there's like four quadrants to do, I don't know if any of you realize this, but if you've got to get a child back four times, you're probably going to have trouble on the third or fourth time. They're starting to catch on to you. They're starting to go, oh no, I really don't want to go today. So you've got to get it all done. If they have four quadrants of dentistry, try to do, if you can, if you're fast and you're prepared, you can actually do two quadrants at a time. So that is, you know, my strategy. I feel like um, we have a lot of success. The odd thing is, is that I've gotten to a point in my career where I want to do a lot more of some other things. And so I, I can't find the time to do as much pedo as I once did. So we have limited, um, limited as much the pedo we do. I do refer out, which is always a nice option. We only have one pediatric dentist in this province, so it makes it tough, but we have some other local dentists that are amazing with pedo and they like doing pedo. And so if you can find someone to help you do that, don't try to tackle all the all the cases yourself. So anyway, that's just kind of how that appointment goes. And I really feel that can, oh, and one little extra thing I just realized is that if you do have a pulp exposure or near pulp exposure, you can use what's called Theracal. I believe it's by um, Bisco and it's really good. And in the past we couldn't use Dical. So again, we're also dealing with I've hardly had to do any pulpotomies because this material is amazing. So it's a little plug for them, but I don't gain anything. I don't stand to gain anything by giving you that. Um, I don't work for Bisco or any product, any other products, but the point is, is that that will save you from the, getting that call later that the child has to come in um, because they're, they're too in pain. So as usual, I would love to hear your feedback, but I do want to leave you with this special tip. And the tip is, if you are looking for ways to educate your patients again on prevention, and I mean, I, I really don't want to tell parents and children that they have, they need fillings, but, um, so it's really good to motivate and get kids interested in understanding, you know, germs and, and things like that and how cavities are formed. So I created last year, I created one of my YouTube videos last year was cavities explained for kids. It's, um, we're going to leave that link to that in the show notes. Now, by all means, go to my YouTube channel and subscribe. That would be great as well. But the point is, is that this is a video, it's got graphics in it and it really explains to a child and a you know a mom um, mom or dad uh, with a child to watch together a little video that really helps them understand what's going on and how they can prevent that from happening in the future. I really get more joy out of helping people prevent problems than I do treating them. So, if you would like to check that out, the link will be in the show notes, and I hope that helps. And you can use some of those same analogies in your own explanations to your patients. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to to listen to this podcast and again hopefully I inspired you in some way if you feel this was helpful or you have any colleagues that you think would really maybe enjoy some some of the content like this we're going to be here every week and I would so appreciate it if you would subscribe to my channel and also share this little discovery of this new podcast with your friends and colleagues if you do want to reach me you can certainly find me through my social media channels Dr. Peggy Bound or Peggy Bound Dentistry 
and or you can reach me on my email, peggy at smilesbybound.com. 